With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the program. It's Thursday, November the 16th. Australia, one game away from another World Cup final. So that is tonight. Weather permitting, of course, and we'll take a really good deep dive into Australia's semi-final against South Africa throughout the course of the morning. Wherever you've joined us on 1170am in Sydney or on the SEN app right now, thanks so much for being part of the show. As you know, on a Thursday, everyone's a winner. That's how we like to frame our Thursdays because we've got our last listener standing quiz. We've got a golf box prize back to give away. There we go. Signa Boost Power Bank as well. Now, the golf box prize pack, by the way, has a few little different treats in it. An Odyssey cap, a tour towel, Truvis golf balls. You can shop at golfbox.com.au. That's our last listener standing quiz. You've got to be in it to win. We'll do it in about an hour's time. So straight after the 10 o'clock news, it's when our Queensland audience join us. So we're giving you a heads up, Sydney listeners. Get in early. Get in front of the queue. Maestro's in charge of all the calls today. Brenton's in our studio as well. So we'll put you through there. If you get through the five questions, you'll get your choice of a golf box prize pack or a Signet Boost power bank. You'll need to know your cricket. You'll need to listen carefully because the way this works is I essentially give you the answers in the next 15 or 20 minutes and then you've just got to make sure that you're tuned in. So cricket, ODI plus WBBL, bit of NRL that will be sprinkled in this morning and some Netflix as well. The Netflix Cup was held last night. Did anyone catch any of this? I only saw little bits and pieces of it on social media and it looked just like, I don't know what it looked like. It, it looked like a Bucks party. It looked like pub golf that they filmed. It was Netflix's first foray into live sports, and that's why I wanted to bring it up with you. Not so much of the event itself, but what it means for sports broadcasting to you and I down the track, because these guys are now starting to do live events, and we know what kind of scale they've got. So the way that it panned out... It's all part of the Vegas extravaganza. Golfers and Formula One drivers, so the golfing full swing program on Netflix, Formula One drive to survive, meet in the middle while they've got Formula One in Vegas this weekend. They had Max Homer and Alex Albon, Ricky Fowler playing with Lando Norris, Tony Finau with Pierre Gasly and Justin Thomas with Carlos Saints. They went on to win. There were a whole stack of challenges. They had a golf buggy race. That a Squid Game-inspired round where you could only tee off when the big Squid Game doll wasn't looking. <laughs> they did interviews with Mark Wahlberg. They did a Zoom interview with Patrick Mahomes. The sphere was in everything. That massive sphere was overlooking everything. Now, advertisers reportedly coughed up $2 million for various spots and sponsorships throughout the broadcast on the sphere in program. From what I can digest this morning throughout the critics and those that watched it with a critical eye they had some pretty serious audio problems Uh, it was pretty chaotic like I mentioned it was very very gimmicky and one critic said 
this was a watchable event showing that Netflix Live as a platform's getting there, but it's not quite ready for prime time. He said you can re-watch the Netflix Cup via Netflix now, but probably suggest waiting for the next one. So a few transmission problems and all that kind of stuff. But keep your eyes on this because this is where we're heading further down the track. I reckon Australia, because of our regulations here, are a little bit behind the eight ball and a little bit sort of uh, in a straitjacket. But these major streaming players are dipping their toes into live sports and live events. Not for me, that one. And I don't think it was for too many people, but really it was more aimed at just getting a, a, a foot into the game, so to speak. Meanwhile, the Sphere, because remember, Formula One is racing around Las Vegas this weekend for the first time since... Well, they did race back there at Caesars Palace. I think it was 1982. But this is a first on so many levels. A first because Formula One will be the promoter of the event. It's their event. They're promoting it. So it's their money, their input, their people, their everything. They've spent some $200 million building everything that goes around Vegas. It's a street circuit. And the sphere is just as important here as everything else that's going on. Go and have a look at what they're planning across the weekend. It'll blow your mind. Advertising for Formula One, drivers on there, driver cards, helmet-shaped, sponsorship deals. They have a recovery brunch on Sunday morning. The race is on Saturday night. They're going to have a recovery brunch inside the sphere where they'll play highlights of the race from the night before on those super LED HD screens in there. It'll be mind-boggling. But here's a quirk. Throughout the course of the race, and they're driving around the sphere, they can't have any red or yellow graphics that pop up on the sphere because they're worried the drivers will think it's a yellow safety car or it's a red flag session. So they won't have any red or yellow popping up on the sphere because they don't want it to pop in front of the driver's eyes. The race will start over there at 10 o'clock p.m. on Saturday night. So a super start, a super late start for that one. It could well be a game changer. And in terms of what it means for coverage and advertising, it's next level stuff. We often talk about the future of broadcasting and the future of sports in particular. Well, I reckon this weekend, across what's going on around Vegas, the future's there. Streaming playing a massive part. Sports like Formula One going hell-bent on the American market plus technology. And how do they incorporate that on both a broadcast side of things plus an event side of things? So not just sitting at home, but sitting there as well. So we'll keep our, our eyes on that one. Dougie Bollinger will join me this morning. We'll talk wines as we do on a Thursday with Ben Riggs, the winemaker, Ricky Ponting's uh, extravaganza with him, Ponting Wines. Matty Logue from News Limited with a fair bit going on in basketball, and Christy Doran with a bit going on in Rugby Union as well. Christy's the editor of Rugby Union at the Raw. So that's the guest lineup. Cricket, well, India through to the ODI World Cup final. What a match last night. What a game of cricket this was in Mumbai. India, four for 397 off their 50 overs. So let's put all the talk about the pitch and all that kind of stuff aside because Darren Lehman, I saw him tweet out something uh, this morning where he just said the ICC should just have fresh pitches every match. 
well, every finals match. I mean, are they short of cash? Are they running out of money, these guys? <laughs> I think they could do it. We've just, I've just told you about what's going on in Vegas with technology and everything else around it. Holy cow, why don't they just do it and sort out all of these problems? That's another issue. Last night, though, was amazing. Virat Kohli, 117 off 113 balls. I mean, you almost look at it and go, well, of course he was going to. Sashin was there. His wife was there. It's in Mumbai. 50th one-day international century. Nine fours, two sixes, a strike rate of over 100. Shreyas I with another century as well, back-to-back. Shubman Gill left the field, came back. He ended up on 80, not out off 66 deliveries. New Zealand gave it a crack in the end but couldn't get there because Mohamed Shami went nuts. Shami with seven for 57 off 9.5 overs. Daryl Mitchell did his best, 134, and Kane Williamson chipped in with 69. But Shami with seven for absolutely derailed that run chase. So India go through, and now we wait to see what happens tonight at Eden Gardens in Kolkata, which is where, interestingly enough, you go back to the first... World Cup win that Australia had, it was at this venue. Now, tonight it's a semi-final, but they won their first World Cup back here at Eden Gardens back in 1987. So a couple of key things to talk about, as you know. Weather, 28 degrees tonight during the day, and then it'll get cooler in the evening. Now, remember, over there, the match starts at 2 p.m. It'll start at 7.30 p.m. our time tonight with full coverage on SEN from 7 o'clock. So a 2 p.m. afternoon start at Eden Gardens. There is an 80% chance of rain during the day, and that'll just back away a little bit to a 60% chance at night. So essentially, raining during the day is a big possibility and showers during the night, enough to just enough to be a pest. And at night time, the humidity will be up to 91%. So we have to keep our eye on the weather. And remember, there is a reserve day. If they can get 20 overs per uh, team, then it can be considered a match. If they don't get a game completed, South Africa go through because they finished higher than us on net run rate. So that's the scenario around the weather. Then you go to the selections. And this we won't know until the toss. Do they go Marnus? The test-style stability of Marnus at number five after the explosive batters ahead of him. Or do they go Marcus Stoinis, the power-hitting explosion at number seven plus a sixth bowling option? Marnus or Marcus will find out. They, they know, and Pat Cummins pretty much gave that game away uh, in his media chats. We know what we're going to do, essentially, but they'll wait. And I'm still thinking that they might go towards Marcus Stoinis, but it's been that kind of tournament... Interesting, too, to see that Glenn Maxwell had to go off to uh, have precautionary scans on a hamstring strain. I mean, he's okay, but, man, Glenn Maxwell, it just never rains, does it? Absolutely pours. So when you look at the Australians and you look at big games and you look at World Cups and then you go against South Africa, we know which way this is going to go. Five titles for Australia and just four knockout stage losses in 18 matches. When you look at experience, there are five of the likely starting 11 tonight 
in Australia that played in the winning 2015 World Cup final. Davey Warner, Steve Smith, Maxwell, Stark and Josh Hazelwood. Paddy Cummins was in that squad but didn't play. Of course, he did play in the T20 World Cup win alongside many others as well. Australia's played South Africa twice in World Cup semis, won them both, 99 and 2007. But then flip it to South Africa. Their big stat, and this has got lost on a lot of people, they are the only team in world cricket to have a positive win rate over Australia in one day internationals. Nobody else. 55 wins, 50 losses. Nobody else has a positive win rate over Australia in ODIs, and that includes 15 wins in the last 18 matches. And, of course, they inflicted one of only two losses that Australia have had at this tournament. So they're the stats, but does experience come into it? Does Australia's momentum come into it? The kind of form that our key players have been in? I mean, if Maxwell and Mitch Marsh get going again tonight, then nobody will be able to stop them. If our bowlers step up, then nobody will be able to pin them down. I'm thinking Australia looking very good to go into a massive World Cup final, which will be against India. 0457 736 736 is our text line. Let me know your final thoughts on that. Do stats matter to you? Do you think the Aussies are running hot at the right time? Or do you think South Africa have a surprise? And what did you make of Virat Kohli last night? So he goes to the top of the list on 50 ODI centuries. It's an amazing statistic, made even more amazing by the fact that he's done it in 279 innings. Now, Sachin Tendulkar took 452 innings to get to 49. Ricky Ponting ended his career with 30 one-day international centuries. Not bad. 365 innings. And Davey Warner is currently on 22 ODI centuries. Maybe more to come. Both of those Aussies are inside the top 10 when you look at most centuries in uh, one-day internationals. Latrell Mitchell has spoken for the first time after his court case. We'll hear a little bit about that later on. Josh Mansour has spoken to Latrell, his former Rabbitohs teammate, on a podcast as they try and put all that behind him. In rugby union, I like the, I like the sound of what Phil War is saying. The RA CEO has called off the raid on league talent. And this is off the back, as we know, of Joseph Suali'i's mega deal. Phil War has said the code can't continue to spend more than we afford. And this is the part that I like. He said, we don't want to be attracting people because of the money. And then you don't have the environment sorted out. So we've got a job to do in terms of getting our game in order to attract the best possible athletes. It's simple stuff. But how often do we say, are they reading the room? Everyone knows the situation that rugby's in. None more so than the people that are in it. Believe me, they know, they hear, they see, they listen. And Phil War, in my opinion, has absolutely got it 100% correct here. Let's fix the environment first. And that environment covers a whole range of things. But let's fix that before we start spending money that we can't afford. So he could have come back and said, oh, well, rugby leagues are going to do this and we'll do that. And that would have been the easy and headline-grabbing way to do it. But his pragmatic approach is, uh, how about we do what we said we were going to do, which is have a look at this game, do the hard work, fix it, and give people an environment where they want to come to. 
because at the moment they splash cash around, A, they don't have it, and B, if they're spending it, what are the people who are going to buy it walk into? Not much. Not much at the moment. So it's not going to be a game changer. It's not going to tip the world upside down in rugby union all of a sudden, but Phil War has got his head wrapped around that job and let's see if he can pull that rabbit out of the hat. He knows it's going to be a long, long, long one. But he's playing the long game. And, of course, in soccer tonight down at uh, Amy Park, the Socceroos take on Bangladesh. Graham Arnold will break Frankie Farina's record of in being in charge of the Socceroos. So Arnie takes charge of his 59th game today. His first stint back in 2009 ended with a quarter-final Asian Cup exit. So... Congratulations to Graham Arnold. It should be an easy win for the Socceroos against Bangladesh. And then they jump on a plane tomorrow and go to Kuwait to take on Palestine. So everything changes there. one three hundred oh one eleven seventy is the open line number. So we've got a lot to cover this morning, including the last listener standing quiz. So if you've been paying attention there, folks, I've pretty much given you most of the answers. I've pretty much given you everything. Uh, Come and join us. Be part of the program this morning. Stick around. Let me know your thoughts about this Netflix Cup, if you watched it, where you think it might lead in Australian sport in particular, and what do the Aussies... Who's the go-to guy this afternoon and this evening for Australia against South Africa? Is it Glenn Maxwell? Is it Marcus Stoinis if he gets there? Is it Mitchell Marsh? Who's the man to bring out the big guns tonight? against South Africa at Eden Gardens in Calcutta. We're back after this break. It's 21 minutes after nine. Got some news through around uh, the Big Bash League. The Melbourne Stars won't have English uh, star Harry Brook as part of the Big Bash this summer. Brook has pulled out of his deal to play for the Melbourne Stars. So he was one of the top draft picks. And remember, he was selected second after the way that it panned out. And he was going to join the Stars for seven games after the completion of the England tour of West Indies in December. So he has now informed them that um, he won't be part of that. And they've signed, and I'm just reading this as I see it, they have already signed the Stars an undisclosed international as a replacement player for the first three games because Harry couldn't make those opening three games. Then he was going to join for the next seven. But... um, for whatever reason, which hasn't been put out here, Harry Brook has decided to withdraw. Three weeks, exactly, before the season opener between the Stars and Brisbane Heat at the Gabba. So I'll do some digging on that one and see uh, what the reason is behind that. 27 minutes after 9 o'clock, Dougie Bollinger will join me after the 9.30 news. Don't forget to, the last listener standing quiz, you've got to be in it to win it. 10 o'clock. When we get to the news at 10 o'clock, that's when you need to give us a call on 1300 01 1170. Now, James, you've been active, very active on the phone lines this week. I've enjoyed our chats, mate. What have you got for me this morning? Um, oh, one, first of all, um, it was very interesting hearing what happens in the background while I was on hold. That was um, interesting. <laughs> um, the other thing, yeah, um, with the cricket, if they've got 30 overs this today and then it gets all washed out. Yes. Now, tomorrow, do they play 30? Which means it'd be better to bat second, wouldn't it? Because then you know what you're chasing after 30 overs instead of batting and then getting washed out and realise, mm. oh, hang on, we're only four down. We've left our big hitters haven't been able to hit. Yep, yep. So, so the way that they play the 50, 
Yeah, look, the way that they'll pan out, mate, is that they will they they have the ability to take essentially take the game across two days. That's so the reserve day is not just there to try and get a full game in. The reserve day is there to complete a game if they get a certain amount of, of overs done. So they'll make a call on whether it's twenty overs or fifty. So the minimum that they need to get to complete a game and make it a completed match is 20 overs per side. But it has to be per side, obviously. But, so, but isn't that a bit of a disadvantage for the team backing second? Well, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, absolutely. Oh, no, Can batting be. first, sorry. Batting first, Batting first, because yeah. yeah, then yeah. they don't know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And that's just the quirk sorry, of the system. That's so that's, 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 that's the plan. So the plan is they've got the reserve day tomorrow. If across the course of those two days they can get a minimum of 20 overs per side and they make that call, then they can they can have their match considered completed. But you're right. I mean, you know, which yeah. way do you want to look at it? And, and then also, how do you then structure everything around it? So as Paddy Cummins said, I, I like what he said, you know, look, rain's probably on the forecast, but we'll have to deal with that when it's in front of us. There's no point sort of trying to worry about yeah. it now. Um, oh, but yeah, that's, oh, that's the plan. Yeah, one other thing, with your Last man standing quiz. I'm on the road then, so I can't answer it. But okay. I get every question right every time. There's, there's a few you asked the wrong questions. So, you know, your questions are wrong, even though my answer has been right. Yeah, have right. Have to get okay. the Queenslanders and have the okay. South Wales one. <laughs> Good on you, James. Thank you, mate. Um, okay, so my questions are wrong, but your answers are right. That's a really interesting way to do a quiz. Might do that uh, next time around. Thank you, mate. I appreciate the call. So that, that's the rain-out situation. That's why the reserve day is there. They used it once in 2019 in a semi-final. Um, but the target mark essentially is 20 overs because unless they do 20 overs, they can't get to a completed match. They don't get to a completed match. South Africa go in on net run rate. That would be a real bummer. Let's do the news. Dougie Bollinger is going to join us. Welcome back. Thank you for that, Vanessa. 0457 736 736 is the text line. Cam from Newey says, Maddie, the Netflix Cup was rank. <laughs> Never again. Cam, um, can you do me a favour? If, you, if you've still got time and you can text or even give us a call, can you let me know how you watched it and what the viewing experience... I mean, obviously, you were, you were just over the whole thing, but just how you watched it in particular, because the other side of that from some things that I saw this morning was... We go to Netflix and you flick around and you go, okay, I want to watch the David Beckham doco. I actually just finished watching the Robbie Williams doco, which was pretty awesome. Um, and it's pretty easy to find. You scroll down and away you go. But this was a live event and there was quite a few problems from those that I saw this morning that I was reading about that were trying to find the live aspect. And when you'd leave it, it wouldn't go back to it. So this is part of it, you know. Streaming live is very different to just plonking movies and docos and all that um, on a homepage. If you let me know how you watched it, how much you watched it, any further details, that'd be good, mate. I'd like to know. Folks, hold the phones. Greg from Gundagai. We've heard from Greg from Gundy this morning. Okay. This text, I'll just read it to you. I'm going to expect, says Greg, the Gundagai track tomorrow morning and I'll send, send in my last lot of tips for the year. I know this track better than anyone else and I know the horses, so listen up. Okay. He's, he's head on the chopping block again. So <laughs> Greg's over from three. <laughs> we know that. 
And he's also one nerdy run down uh, off the back of his last tip, which hopefully we don't have to activate. <clears throat> do we call? What do we do here? What do we do here, folks? You, you be my sounding board on this. Do we give Greg a free shot at one more tip? And if he can get this tip up, <laughs> if, <laughs> if, Greg, if Greg can get this horse home, do we, do we negate the nudie run? You just let me know. Is it play on or do we give him a swing and a miss at this one? A free shot, so to speak. Oh four five seven seven three six seven three six. Yes, I tied myself up in knots on that one, but you know where I'm heading. So, Greg, you're on notice. The listeners, as you like to put it, your fans, are going to have the final say on that one. Good morning, team. Read tonight's cricket. One bat first as South Africa aren't good at batting second. Bowl first as the team batting second has the advantage of DLS uh, when it's used because of cyclone interruptions and good luck to the Socceroos. Absolutely. Thank you for that. Uh, Martin, I think, sent that one in. Keep them coming. 0457736736. We've tracked down Dougie Bollinger this morning. Hello, Douglas. Whitey. <laughs> How are you, my What's friend? Happening? I'm going all right, mate. What are you up to, brother? Oh, I'm just doing a little radio show that we do here, you know, occasionally give you a call, see what you're thinking about uh, the world of cricket, the world of uh, lawns and, and how busy you are. It's always good to get your opinion. Did you ever play, I put this to Socky yeah. yesterday, did you ever play a one-day match that lasted two days? Because there's a chance it could tonight. No, 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 no. I was uh, not blessed with that. <laughs> no, no, never done that, mate. But um, is that is that what the is that what the news is? If they just washed out today, they're going to play it overnight. No, well, they've got a they've got a reserve day, mate. And this is how it works. They can they can right. essentially they can essentially push it as much as they can, but they need to get twenty overs done, and if they don't get a match completed. South Africa yeah. will go through on net run rate. So we don't know what's going to happen with the weather. Uh, what do you think happens with the selection, mate? I'm, I'm sure that a bloke like you with your history and in your position would have been asked this a few times. Do you go Marcus Stoinis or do you go Marnus Labashane? Do you go tried and tested or do you go the man who rips his, uh, mate, I... rips his, lets his biceps rip? Mate, I, to be honest, I'd go the extra all-rounder. Um, just gives you that bowling, that bowling aspect. That gives you that extra, you know, if things don't go wrong for blind bowler. You got to, you got to catch up. Marcus Stoinis is a very good bowler in the middle and can be good at the end, and he can yeah. slog him as well. Good thing about Marnus, he bats three, and he's amazing in the field. So, ugh. I think in a final you have got to take the extra option there, the batting and bowling option. Yeah. So they go. You reckon they just go Marcus and and just just go all in on that power play kind of style. Yeah, yeah, let him let him rip up. I don't know about an all rounder. I would say, I would say, Dougie, that you attack life like your run up long and hard and just came in and re was just relentless, never give up. <laughs> I think I might say that a few, a few other things as well. <laughs> <laughs> easy, Tiger. Easy. Listen, no, I no, want to get a final. Um, <laughs> we got, mate, we got, 
We've got cricket, we've got, we had another baby six weeks ago, we've got lawns, I've got kids' footy, we've got ice tags. So the lot of things have been happening. It's been good luck, good. Oh, you're a, you're a good man. Listen, let me let me get a final one off you because it's a crappy line. Um, the performance of Virat Kohli last night. I mean, it's it's quite mind blowing what he can do when he when he gets going, isn't it? I mean, we've seen some greats, Doug. In all seriousness, we've seen some of the yep. the very best in the world in our in our time in our era. But but Virat Kohli's an incredible species. Phenomenal, mate. And the Greg Saxon's record that that. That, that just shows in itself how good he is. Very humble guy. You saw his, um, you saw the way he, he reacted when he done it. Now it's just, he's an unbelievable player, and most importantly, he's an unbelievable leader. And I reckon he's an unbelievable bloke as well. So that's what stands for most. Yeah, yeah, pretty good trifecta. Good man. Good to uh, catch up with you. You better get back to work. Oh mate, I've got to eat too. I'm just rammed. <laughs> Oh, he's a champion. Thanks, Doug. Dougie Bollinger joining us there. So there's one vote for Marcus Stoinis. Go all in. Um, yeah, go all, go all in. And and I like the theory too, just around the fact that it's, you know, it's a final. It's a knockout. Knockouts are, are big time games and, and they step on up. Take a look at what India did last night. So if you can match fire with fire, then then why wouldn't you? I honestly don't know which way they're going to go. You think back to to the start of the tournament, and Pat Cummins had said it a couple of times where the wickets caught him out. The conditions were catching him out because what they thought was going to happen didn't happen. And then that flipped on its head a couple of times for Pat Cummins. So he was second-guessing. There was a Jekyll and Hyde approach to what the wickets were saying to him, a bit two-faced. And as that went further down, they've started to work that out. And you get the feeling that tonight, if we take the... Let's try and think that... Or let's hope that there's no rain interruptions to stop it. The conditions in the afternoon are very, very different over there to the conditions at night. Now, how the pitch plays and all that kind of stuff is... We won't know until we see the pitch tonight. But it's going to be 2 o'clock start, very hot. Those lights come on, it gets super humid, 91% humidity uh, at the back end of the evening, and things really start to change. 0457 736 736. Uh, Greg from Gundy, uh, well, the verdict is starting to come in. I mean, we've still got a long way to go, but the verdict is starting to come in. So the listeners are having their say as to whether or not you deserve another chance. If you get another chance, here's my question, listeners. If Greg gets another chance, if we give him another chance to tip us a winner and it wins, does that negate the needy run? Are, are all bets back to – are we back to square with our man? Let me know. Let's take a break. We'll come back after this. Welcome back. Uh, boy, oh, boy, has Greg got us moving this morning. This might take us a while to get through all of the text so we can spread them out. By the way, Greg has responded saying he's very honourable man and he will do the nudie run no matter what. So let's put that at the at the top of the list here. But um, here's some of the responses. Dave from Frankston. Greg should quit before he needs to go into witness protection. Uh, Paramat. Until Greg from Gundy has completed his nudie run, he gets no airtime, no dud tips, no pathetic excuses, nothing. Complete the run. Uh, then we can hear from you again. Um, this one from the Penny Panther. Matty, I think you and I were the only ones that put money on Greg's tip. That's right, it was Airman. So I think we reserve the right to negate the nudie run. I'm voting voting no, says Penny Panther. He doesn't get out of it. Uh, Bulldog Bob, 
How many nudie runs does Greg from Gun to Guy want to do? He must be pretty <laughs> proud of the package. Thank you. Brett, no. Last chance if he loses, we need to get him a self-imposed ban. Okay. Play on, says the Western Sydney Eagle. No free pass for you, Greg. Like a fly continually running into the window, this is the reptile. Greg continues with his tips. South Africa, I have to respect, but they will not be backing them in. Uh, I will not back them in, says the reptile. A little bit weird, that message, but I get the gist of it. Uh, you had a bit of a slanging match with with Greg, between Greg and Greg from Gundy and the reptile. Has anybody seen them in the same room? Have they got two phones? Are they? Could they possibly be the same person? Big Ted on the app says, Greg, no one's listening. The Emperor has no clothes. <laughs> Give Greg a $100 voucher. Any winnings go to charity. That's not a bad idea, Rooster Man. Greg only negates his run if he tips a winner that pays more than $10. Not a bad idea. No more chances. If he gets to keep tipping with his terrible record, it should then be open slather for all. Jay from Blacktown in capitals. No more Greg from Gun to Guy tips. Oh, my goodness. By all means, says EJ, give him a free shot at the stumps, but it can't be an odds-on shot. And if he loses, he has to paint an SEN logo on his rear for his nudie run. <laughs> okay. We're, we're just sort of, yeah, just sort of going down avenues that we don't need to. Crime scene, um, texting every little thought that you have. You say, I hope you forgive. It makes me feel more involved and appreciate that SEN gives me this outlay. Well, that's why we're here, crime scene. It's not a bad start to the day, is it? I mean, you've... Switch on your radio or your app. You listen to Vossie and Brandy. You get your full download. You're on top of everything. Have a bit of a laugh along the way. Come into our show. You have a laugh as well. And hopefully get informed and entertained along the way. So that's why we're here, mate. It's all fun. All good fun. We can get into the serious stuff when we need to. But it's sport at the end of the day. one three hundred oh one eleven seventy 1170 is the open line number. It appears to me as though some people are now swinging back in favour. Um, Spud says, I'm backing Greg in. I'd suggest that you don't allow him to provide any further tips going forward. <laughs> okay. Oh, dear. There's plenty going on there. Keep them coming. one three hundred oh one eleven seventy. if you want to uh, give us a call. Now, don't forget to... The 10 o'clock news coming up in 10 minutes. When we hit the news, give me a call, one three hundred oh one eleven seventy on the open line. Understand that not a lot of people or some people can't call at that time. So you can bombard me as much as you can on text. And if we can sort of work that out, I'll maybe try and get towards a text or two in the quiz. But essentially, the quiz for callers. And uh, the queue gets pretty jammed. one three hundred oh one eleven seventy is where you need to go on that. I want to play you this from Paddy Cummins. Just a quick one that he said about uh, the semi-final tonight against South Africa. South Africa, of course, uh, have got to this stage and stumbled and stumbled and stumbled. Paddy Cummins says Australia aren't weighed down by history. You know, what, what helps us is we've got a lot of guys that have been in this situation before uh, that have won one-day World Cup, T20 World Cup, various other tournaments in, in big moments. So I think that, that really helps. You, you know what it takes, but also you, you're not really weighed down by history. You, you get more excited about the challenge and, um, you know, just get stuck into what, what needs to be done. So let me know your thoughts on that. Big moments. When I listen to athletes, when I listen to 
captains, you know, say their piece to the media, there's normally a phrase in there that'll give you an insight. And the experience part of that was very obvious, what Paddy Cummins is talking about. And I gave you the the facts. I think it were five players, five of the likely starting 11 tonight were part of the 2015 World Cup final, which Australia won. So experience is there, but big moments. We saw last night in the Indian match, they just kept the big moments coming. Virat Kohli knew... So did Shubman Gill. So did Shreyas Iyer. They all knew that this was a big moment match. So this is going to be a match tonight where big moments will get them home. It might be a culmination of them. It might just be one, as in one player. So zero in on that for me. When you think about Australia tonight against South Africa, who delivers the biggest moment? Is it a bowler? Mohamed Shami last night took seven for, turned the match back. Is it a batter? Glenn Maxwell's already done that at this World Cup. Can he do that again? Is it a fielder? Is it Marnus Labuschagne if they pick him going nuts out there in the field and doing another Jonty Rhodes? So who delivers the biggest moment tonight? Who, if, if you need to look around this Australian team, you're Paddy Cummins, and you go, I need a big moment from somebody, who are you going to look at? Let me know that. Let me know the way you're thinking around our Australian team. We are chock full of stars who can turn a match. There's no doubt about it. So give me those thoughts this morning on 0457 736 736. A very good morning to our listeners joining us on SENQ 693 in Brizzy, SEN 1620 AM on the Gold Coast. Welcome back to my listeners on 1170 AM in Sydney and right across the network on the SEN app. A big, big day in the world of sport and a huge night ahead of us, hoping, we are hoping, that the weather plays its part here. And uh, tonight at Eden's at Eden Gardens in Calcutta, that Australia can get through to the final and the weather isn't the main factor because that's all ahead of us this evening. Australia v South Africa, it is absolutely huge. Don't forget, it's Thursday morning, so everyone's a winner on a Thursday morning. It's the morning where we play our last listener standing quiz. So you've got to get yourself in the mood to be a bit of a winner this morning. Are you ready to pick up the phone? one 1170 and give me a call. If you get through five questions, we'll be doing them very shortly. If you get through five questions, you'll be a winner because everyone's a winner. Golf box prize pack, including an Odyssey cap, two a towel, Truvis golf balls, at golfbox.com.au or a Signet Boost Power Bank. I'll be covering some cricket, some rugby league, a few other sports as well. But it's five questions, folks. That's all you've got to do to get through there. So give me a call now and you can be part of the queue. Jump in the queue. If you get all five right, then you hold off everybody else. So you're laughing. There you go. Everyone's a winner here. Every... Now we're in the mood, folks. Now we're in the mood. So call now and we'll put you in the queue. I was interested to hear in the news throughout the course of the morning about the latest chapter of the Commonwealth Games and that Australia has three months to find a 2026 host city as three other candidates supposedly emerge for the event. So the Commonwealth Games Federation has had a meeting in Singapore and they have voted Chris Jenkins, who's a Welshman, as the president of the Commonwealth Games Federation. Now, you know that we've been following this story ever since Victoria pulled out of the 2026 Commonwealth Games, citing their cost blowout. So Victoria are out. And since then, it's been 
a lot of talk and very, very little action. Nothing has come out of it. I mean, every mayor in the Commonwealth with any sense of how to get publicity was smart. Every mayor of every city was like, we'll have it. Give it to us. We'll do it. It'll be great for us. Give us the Commonwealth Games. I'm speaking on behalf of my constituents. The only problem is that if you don't have the backing of the state government who provide most of the infrastructure, such as police, ambulance, the lot, if you don't have that backing, you're not going to get anywhere. And there's not a state government in Australia at the moment who wants to go near the Commonwealth Games. So this is really interesting. Gold Coast Mayor Tom Tate continues to put his hand up. The Queensland government ran away from this a long time ago. So I don't know where this is going aside from round and round in circles. And I don't know where the three months comes from. And heaven knows where the other unnamed regions are. So they've managed to come out and say, Australia's got three months to find a host city. Well, Good luck with that because there's not a city in Australia or a state in Australia that I know has changed its tune. And we've got three other regions on the hook, but we can't tell you who they are. They're very, very keen, the Commonwealth Games Australia, uh, Federation, to hold the Games in Australia. The Commonwealth Games Australia might be and the Federation might be, but no one else seems to want it here. And then the other three that are on the hook, we don't know who they are or where they are. So they're going to have to remodel this thing and it appears as though they put a time frame on it. It's extraordinary the way that this is panning out. So we'll do some more research on that and see what we can find. Righto, folks, let's do it. one three hundred oh one eleven seventy. 1170 You are hitting the phone line, so let's uh, hit it straight up. Let's go. Five questions. See what you've got. Ben from the Hills in New South Wales was first on the line. Good morning to you, Ben. You ready to take the quiz, mate? Oh, I was ready as I'll ever be, Matty. Let's go. <laughs> okay, let's do it. Let's do it. So you know that Virat Kohli scored his 50th one-day international century last night. Puts him top of the list, right? When you look at the top 10 all-time yeah. list for most ODI centuries, there are two Australians in there, two Aussies in the top 10 for ODI centuries. Who are they? I want to have to be Ricky Ponting. One's Ricky Ponting, correct. Uh, um, <laughs> the other one is... Oh, no, 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 no. No, hold on. Hold on, Ben. Make sure you stick around. The other one I was just about to say is actually is actually at number 10 at the moment uh, and may have more to come. Righto, Ben. Thank you. We've got one. Dan in North Lakes. Good morning to you. So we're looking for the two Aussies inside the top 10. For most ODI centuries, one's Ricky Ponting. Ben's given you the answer there. Who's the other one? Dan. Come on, Dan. All right, Dan, hold on, mate. Let's go to Paul in Brizzy. David Warner. Oh, hang on. Sorry. David Warner, we got you just in time. Whee! Just, just in time, brother. You're good. You're good. Dan, hold on. Stay with us now. Okay, we're good. Yes, Ricky Ponting with 30 ODI centuries is the leading Australian. Davey Warner with 22 um, is the other one inside the top 10. Of course, he's active. Now, Dan, Australia won their first World Cup in India back in 1987. At which ground did they win that? There's a bit of synergy around what's happening here present day. Uh, Eden Gardens. 
Oh, yes, yes. There's a ding. Yep, nice work, mate. Yes, Eden Gardens in Kolkata. So the oh. venue tonight is the venue where we won our first World Cup. Right, let's go to Rugby League, Dan. Let's see if we can get you in there. Which team, Dan, has the bye in round one of 2024 in the NRL? The Tigers. Yes, West Tigers. Tigers. Who, gets, who gets the first up bye? Okay, here we go. Now, this one you'll know if you've been listening to this program the last couple of days. Matilda Carmichael, Tilly Carmichael, plays for the Sydney Sixers. She hit 32 not out in a huge innings. They won the match on the last ball against the Hurricanes on Monday night, I think it was. Tilly Carmichael also played which other sport? She went over to WA and was part of a national squad. In which other sport? Um, Hockey. Yes! Hockey? Oh, man. Yes, hockey it was. Hey, hey Dan, before we get to the last one, how many of those last three questions were guesses? Uh, Two of them were definite guesses. (laughs) One was an educator guess. (laughs) All right, you've come to this one. This is the final one, and there are other callers ready to pounce. So get this one, you get home. Netflix, Dan aired its first live sport event overnight in Las Vegas. It was Formula One drivers and PGA golfers playing a golf tournament full of gimmicks. What was it called? Um, was that the dome? It was a scramble. Um, no. Yeah, it was a scramble. What was it called? Oh, yeah, no, uh, oh, I couldn't tell you. Sorry. Stumbling. All right. Hang on the line, mate. Hang on the line because yeah. we might come back to you. Have a think about it. Let's go to Paul. So, Paul, you've come down to the final question. Good morning to you, mate. Good morning. Um, Paul, we got you on the line? Yes, mate. I'm here. There you are. Thank you. Thanks, buddy. Good to hear from you, mate. Okay. So, Netflix had its first live sport event overnight. It was in Vegas. Do you know what it was called? I do not. I'm an F1 tragic, mate. I get up at five o'clock every Monday morning and watch the replays. And yeah, yeah. but okay, yeah, I do not. Oh, all right, hang on a sec. Just hang on because we might come back to you, uh, um, Glenn. You can have a shot at this. I'll get you across the line first um, so we can hear you. Glenn, good morning to you. So Netflix, they had their first live sport event last night. It was it was a golf game against a bunch of Formula One drivers. There were four golfers, four Formula One drivers. What was it called, Glenn? Uh, I'll have a guess and say the Netflix Cup. Yes, you did. You got it. Well done. It's the Netflix Cup. Nice work. Good on you, mate. So, look, I'll send you back to the panel uh, and you can have your choice between a golf box, prize pack or a Signet Boost power bank. Thank you for calling in. Thanks to all of our listeners on the last listener standing quiz. So the Golf Box prize pack, you can uh, pack. You can shop at golfbox.com.au. There's a towel cap, golf balls in there, the lot as well. So thank you to all of our all of our callers. We got there in the end. Who are the two Australians in the top ten all time for most ODI centuries? Ricky Ponting and David Warner. Where did Australia win their first World Cup title in India? Which ground? It's the ground where they're playing tonight, Eden Gardens, Kolkata. Who has the buy in round one of NRL 2024? The Tigers do. Tilly Carmichael, we spoke to her on the program. Great chat it was too. Um, hit 32 
off 21 balls, not out against the Hurricanes. She also played hockey. Uh, and our fifth question was Netflix aired its first live sport event overnight in Vegas featuring F1 drivers. It was called, and PGA golfers, it was called the Netflix Cup. Whew, well done. We got there. We got there. Good on you, Dan. Uh, Glenn, thank you, mate, and congratulations to you. And for our listener there, it was uh, big on Formula One. I think it was Paul, wasn't it? Um, make sure you check it out. In fact, if you get a chance, jump online if you haven't already and have a look-see at what they're going to do with the sphere. If you weren't with us at the start of the program, I detailed some of the things around the Formula One race in Las Vegas. Uh, interesting to note, obviously being where it is and uh, into the time zone, it'll be a 10pm Saturday night start. A race in Formula One that'll start at 10 o'clock on a Saturday night in Vegas. That sphere, the $2 billion sphere, they had to take over the sphere because they took over the land around it. So in driving around the streets of Las Vegas and the sphere itself, Formula One were compelled to actually take the whole thing over for the entirety of the event. That's why U2 got kicked out for a few days. But it means now that they can use the sphere essentially as their their own domain to advertise and sponsor. They're going to have all of the Formula One, 20 Formula One drivers constantly up there with their heads, their, um, you know, their face shots, their details, their helmets. So in terms of building awareness to a new audience that they're trying to get, the newish audience that they're trying to get in, in the USA, everything's there. It's costing them a mint, obviously, but everything's there. I don't know how the race is going to pan out. It's going to be a spectacular sight. There will be celebrities coming out the wazoo. So expect a lot of that. But it's going to be really fascinating to see how they play the whole game with that sphere in the background, delivering so much. one three hundred oh one eleven seventy. We're going to take a break. Uh, we'll come back. Don't forget, too, I'll be catching up with Ben Riggs from Ponting Wines. Speaking of Ricky Ponting, we do that on a Thursday morning. We'll talk basketball, too, with Matty Logue from News Limited. The Sydney Kings have Melbourne United on Sunday afternoon. But there's a lot going on at the Illawarra Hawks which uh, the news dropped yesterday. Christy Doran, there's a fair bit going on in the world of rugby, and he is uh, the editor, rugby editor at The Roar and a consistent uh, contributor to this program. So I love getting Christy on the line as well. So we'll have all of those sports covered. Don't forget to Flight Centre's Big Red Sales on with limited time offers on flights, cruises, holidays and tours. You can book now to save big. We're back after this. Back to that Commonwealth Games issue and where it's at at the moment. Craig Phillips is the Chief Executive of uh, Commonwealth Games Australia. He briefed nations at the General Assembly that they held in Singapore. He's awaiting a formal proposal from the Gold Coast, which, of course, hosted the 2018 Games. And like I told you, Tom Tate is is, um, very, very bullish about trying to get the Gold Coast back into the picture here. And as Craig Phillips said, they've still got to work through internally what that could look like and also any ongoing conversations with the Queensland government in terms of their support. He said, clearly, a game's anywhere, and Australia needs a lot of state government support. And right on that, um, also said other nations wanted Australia to host the next games. There's a lot of support from our colleagues for the games to still happen Australia, in Australia somewhere, which has been encouraging. They've thrown their support behind us doing that. Well, as we know, Canada, for instance which was eyeing off the 100th edition of the Commonwealth Games and 
Canada is where the Commonwealth Games were first held. They were eyeing off the 100th edition and then were a chance of being part of the 2026 once Victoria pulled out. They pulled out of both. So I just don't know where they're going to head here. And I, I get the feeling that we won't see a Commonwealth Games in 2026. I think it's much more likely if we do see another Commonwealth Games, it'll be 2027. And if we do see it, it'll be a mixture of somewhere and somewhere else. <laughs> that's, as, that's as simple as I can put it. Perhaps part of that somewhere is in Australia. I don't know how the Gold Coast are going to convince state governments to get behind it, but if they do, then it'll be fun. It'll be great. And I think it's got a really important part in especially Australian sport and what it means to Australian athletes and what it can deliver to them in terms of experience, the lot. So I want to see the Commonwealth Games keep on going, but they're running out of time here to remodel, and you'll hear that word a lot, I reckon, in the course of the next 12 months in particular, but they're going to have to come up with a way because the model that they were proposing and the model that they were sold and went hard in on for Victoria failed before it even started. Didn't even get to the start line. The regional model and the buy-in from regional towns. So tick that one off the list. That's gone. What they did walk away with, the Commonwealth Games Federation, $380 million of compensation for hosting nothing of Victorians' money. So they got a lot of money in the bank. They just don't have anything to spend it on at the moment. 0457 736 736. Now, on a Thursday morning, we catch up with Ben Riggs from Ponting Wines to chat the latest in the Ponting Wines range. You can check it all out at pontingwines.com.au and use the code SEN for free delivery on all orders. But, Ben, we can talk about something, obviously wine, but a little bit different too here because Ponting Wines will be at the Good Food and Wine Christmas Market this weekend at the Carriage Works in Sydney. So you guys will be... Um, giving away some free tickets to that event for our listeners here. What's the deal with the Good Food and Wine Christmas Market? Good morning, mate. Good morning. Uh, the Good Food and Wine Show is an event that's held all over Australia. And this year, for some reason, it didn't happen in Sydney, so they're doing a Christmas market instead. Um, lots of uh, interested food and wine people and um, lots of wine companies. Uh, David... Um, our sales manager will uh, and, and other partner in the business will be there uh, selling some wine and, and uh, I think you've got some signed bottles and um, and saying good day. Ricky's still over in uh, India for the World Cup, so he won't be there, but uh, David will and he'll be there in spirit. All right, so some signed bottles bottles as well. If you go to pontingwines.com.au forward slash win, you can claim a free double pass. So one of the first 10 people to get free tickets there, that's the way to do it. The Good Food and Wine Christmas Markets at Carriage Works in Sydney this weekend for our Sydney listeners um, from November 17 through to 19. The wine that we're talking about today is the... The 127 Shiraz. So this is a reflection. I love the stories, as you know. This is a reflection of Ricky's milestone innings at Headingley back in 1997. It was his first Ashes test and his maiden test century. So we know the numbers. We know the innings. What about the wine? Um, there's always this battle with... I come from the Claren Vale and we're debating what's better. And uh, Rosser and the Claren Vale. And uh, Ricky sadly told me this is his favourite wine. But... Um, 
I, I like to say I put my little McLaren Vale stamp on a delicious bottle of Barossa Shiraz. Um, uh, that's the uh, the tiebreaker in this discussion. <laughs> um, but yeah, rich, textured, you know, delicious bottle of wine. Um, really good. Um, we, we try not to uh, we try and put a little bit of uh, McLaren Vale class on the uh, on the good bits of the of the Barossa. <laughs> I love it. I love the us versus them. Um, so, yeah, the great Christmas gift. It includes a, a signed 1.5-litre magnum of the 127 Shiraz. So check that out. Hey, Ben, thank you for that, mate. We're going to push on. We've got a busy morning, but we'll catch up again next week. Pleasure. Speak to you then, mate. Ben Riggs there from Ponting Wines. So pontingwines.com.au. You use the SEN code for free delivery on all orders. And if you just go to that website, forward slash win, if you tag that along the back, you can get a free double pass to the Christmas markets for our Sydney listeners this weekend. Fair old size of uh, bottle of wine, isn't it? One and a half a litre magnum. So that was 127 that Ricky put on um, against England. That first Ashes test that he played and he's made in test century. I was catching some... Incredible innings of Ricky at the ODI World Cup on replay the other day. And, I mean, we marvel at what we see these days, but go back and take a look at some of his innings. 30 one-day international centuries. He played 375 ODI matches, uh, Ponting. 365 innings. So just when you put that against what Virat Kohli did last night to get to 50 centuries... He's done it in 291 matches and 279 innings. And, of course, he's overtaken his hero, who was there in Sachin Tendulkar, who played 463 matches, 452 innings, and, of course, scored 49 ODI centuries. Strike rate at the moment for Virat, 93.62. Sachin ended up with 86.23. And Ricky's strike rate, at the end of his career, was 80.39. When you look in most ODI centuries and you go towards a strike rate, there is only one man who features in the top 20, perhaps top 25, with a strike rate of 100 or 100 plus. A.B. de Villiers. He scored 25 ODI centuries at a strike rate of 101.09. So it came in 218 innings. And he was not out 39 of those times. So the numbers are absolutely extraordinary. And yet another number on another bottle of wine for Ricky Ponting at Ponting Wines. 127 is the Shiraz. 1300-01-1170 is our open line number. We will go to the news. We'll come back and take your texts and calls after this. Let me get to your text messages and also for our listeners uh, who've joined us in the last 30-odd minutes from... SENQ 693 in Brizzy and 1620 on the Gold Coast, wherever you tuned in uh, for the next couple of hours from Queensland. I just need to backtrack a bit. So do you remember Greg from Gundagai and his tips over the course of the Melbourne Cup Carnival? Um, Batter, batter, shawing, batter, Greg missed every time. So he's 0 for 3 at the moment. And just a quick recap, his last one was Airman down there at Flemington. And if I miss this, he said... I'll do a nude run in Gundagai, right? So that's been on the table. So we've heard back from Greg this morning. And he's going to come back to us with tomorrow's tips from Gundagai because it's the Snake Gully Cup.
over 1,400 metres. There are eight races at Gundy tomorrow. I haven't been to the Gundagai races. Wouldn't mind it. Um, the race before is the Tucker Box, <laughs> over 1,000. And then the big one is the Snake Gully Cup. Now, Kimberly's Secrets is favourite at the moment. Remember, what are you really gambling with? But uh, Kimberly's Secrets, the favourite at $3.80. There are 17 runners. And of those, I'm just having a look, two, three, um, yeah, three that I can see that that are yet to be notified for jockeys. So perhaps they may not get a start. But at the moment, we've got 17 runners in there. Superazzi is second favourite at $5.50. So Kimberly Secret's the favourite. So Greg said he'll come on back and give us a tip on that. So he's going to put his head on the block again. I said... Perhaps we give him one more chance, and then we call it fair. So if, if he can tip us the winner, <laughs> or tip a winner, then we call we call it quits. We don't need to see the nude run. We don't need to, to get ourselves into trouble with police in Gundagai, and we don't need to scare off the good folk of Gundy. Uh, the reaction's been mixed, I think it's fair to say, from, <laughs> from our listener base here. Some have said, get lost, Greg. Others have said, yeah, give him a crack. Others have said, give him a crack, but it's got to be at least a $10 winner. So that's sort of the spread of where we're at at the moment. Paul says, can you ask Greg about the tip for the Snake Gallery Cup? Because I'll be going there. Central Coast Paul. Good one, Paul. Well, mate, if you go there, can you let us know what it's like? Give me a um, give me a shout out because I'm sure you're going to have a ripper day. Rooster Man says, get King, uh, get King Charles to dig into his pockets for the Commonwealth Games, Rooster Man. Hey, Rooster Man, I'll tell you this much. From those that I speak to and from the research and information that I can gather, the person who is pushing this really hard to continue with the Commonwealth Games won't surprise you at all. It's King Charles. He's dead keen to get this to continue going. He, he doesn't want to see it perish on his watch and it's a commonwealth flag flyer so as much as i you know you're sort of saying hey why doesn't he pay for it he's looking for others to pay for it <laughs> he's got the cash no doubt about it one 1170 shane is on the line haven't uh, ended up talking a lot of football this morning shane what have you got for me good morning mate uh, yeah, good morning, Matty. Look, the um, decision by the Bulldogs to stand Raymond Fatala Mariner down from training, we knew it was going to backfire. He's a union member, and you can't do this to the bloke. He's a contracted player. He's fully fit, and he has all the right in the world to go to training. And I'm glad the union has stepped in and told the Bulldogs to pull their heads in. Now, if the Bulldogs want to unload him, it's simple. Pay him his 800 grand he's owed, or he plays reserve grade, on 400 grand a year for the next two years. The Bulldogs are renowned for doing this. Now, I hope it comes back and they say, OK, we're not going to treat players like this anymore. Give him his money and he can go. The young bloke's already been vilified. So, I mean, I don't know where he's going to get another contract from. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know all the details. I, I, I don't know the details of all this one. I mean, I know what you know, what we know, right? So, I don't know what's going on in the background of all of this, but... But look, if that's you know if that's the way that you feel about it, like either pay him out, um, either way he's going to get paid, so they have to make a decision here, or which which way do they treat it? And it's interesting that you raised the, the part about the the union, the Rugby League Players Association, because Shane, remember, mate, we went through all of that stuff, 
and you wonder how much because they 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 pushed hard for a lot of things in there in that collective bargaining mm. gr- agreement and they've got power because they do they're the players so yeah it'd be really interesting to see which part of that makes up the equation of what's going on out there but until we know that all the details I you know I, I don't know where it's going to win where where do you reckon this this ends for Ray well, if another cod could pick him up and the Bulldogs have to pay part of his freight, well, that's fair enough. But yeah. you remember about a decade ago, they did the same with Greg Eastwood. He was on yeah. a two-year contract remaining, 600 grand or even 700 grand a year. They said, mate, we're going to get rid of you or you're going to play reserve grade. He said, yeah, I'll cop it. I'll play. And he played reserve grade for the next two years on $1.2 million, ended up going to Newtown. At the time of his life, it was the best thing he ever done. He was at the end of his career. The clubs have to learn they can't do this to players. Simple as that. Good on you, Shane. Thank you for the call, mate. I appreciate it. What do you I'm think on... about that? one three hundred oh one eleven seventy is the open line number. Uh, Pete says, Matty, I've been to the Snake Gully Cup. Uh, it's an awesome day out. The people from Gundagai are amazing. Thanks, Pete. It's pretty much what I would think it was going to be. Like I've said, I'm uh, going to end up I'm having a few weeks off at the back end of December into January, and part of that will include a, um, a regulation drive through that part of the world. So if I get time, we always stop in uh, five miles from Gundagai for the, <laughs> for the mandatory daggy photo at the dog at the Tucker Box. There's a lot of history, which I don't need to go into, but um, I haven't spent much time in and around Gundagai myself. So now that Greg has essentially overtaken our program <laughs> and the thought process around our program, perhaps I should. On that, Simon, so let's just put a ring around that. Simon says, if Greg would like to give his fans a sure thing, he should tip India will win the toss at the ICC Cricket World Cup final. <laughs> Double or quits for Greg. If he picks a winner, he's off the hook. If it's not a winner... A return trip on the nudie run. Oh, Finn. Finn, I don't think we need two. We're trying to avoid one. Steve Smith says Finn, man of the match tonight. I'm betting if Greg from Gundy and the Reptile are in the same room, it's only the Reptile who walks out of the room, says Paramat. That was because I questioned whether those two are perhaps the same person. Greg's like that cow patty that you're stepping in the paddock and you can never get it off your shoe. Can't wait to see this race this weekend, Matty. How's your SEN F1 tour going? Yeah, Spring Farm Eagle, look, we haven't taken that further down or further up the line, have we, the Formula One tour? Um, Perhaps we should have got it going a little bit quicker and we should all be in Vegas right now. Because whilst I'm not not entirely sure how it's all going to pan out, street races, as you know, Spring Farm Eagle can end up quite processional. Um, overtaking is quite often hard. I, I haven't seen the full makeup of that circuit, but overtaking is very, very hard. And if Verstappen's doing what Verstappen's doing, then see you later. He'll be off in the distance. But the risk v reward is also high as well because of all the concrete barriers. So I'm hoping that it's a good track, and I'm hoping that it's a really good race. It's everything else that's going on around it that's grabbing my attention. It's what Formula One and now the world that they're now playing in. Because I saw that the I saw the world that they used to be in, and it was a closed shop, mate. It was under Bernie Eccleston. You could only do what Bernie wanted you to do, and that went across the board. And now they've opened it up, and they've quite literally seen the bright lights. <laughs> I think the only 
downside that I've heard. Well, a couple of the only downsides that I've heard about the Formula One race in Vegas is the amount of tickets, the, the amount the tickets cost. And also, I've seen some reports that perhaps they're losing a bit of interest because Verstappen's run away with the championship. I don't know about that. If they're going to go, they're going to go. And they'll probably go because they're into it now because of Drive to Survive. The other part is that people who have been going to Vegas to go to, the say, the uh, fountains at Bellagio are now looking at the back of stands that are being built <laughs> and turning up to get that experience and going, uh, what happened to the old fountain here? There's a whole heap of scaffolding on the back of it. Can you guys move out? So I'm really, really fascinated to see how all of that plays out. Meanwhile, the F, uh, SEN F1 Tour, yes, we need to put that high on the list of priorities, Spring Farm Crusher. Appreciate that. We will take a break right here. It's Thursday morning on SEN, your home of sport. I just want to give you a bit of an update uh, from yesterday and throughout the course of this week and from last week. I was uh, telling you about the celebrity cricket match that was being held in Western Sydney and it was at Pratton Park um, last night at Ashfield and it was a brain cancer fundraiser and awareness for a young bloke who played for Western Suburbs Cricket Club called Archie Gray who unfortunately passed away a year ago at the age of 17 because of brain cancer. Now, he loved his cricket, and last night what happened was Western Suburbs and the Manly Cricket Club got together. That was There was a connection that ran through both clubs in Archie's cricket career and and his life at the end of it. So um, there was a bunch of celebrities out there, including Brett Lee. There was a whole stack. I caught up with the Manly captain, Jay Lenton, yesterday, who gave us a great insight into what it was all about. And Jay's just sent me a note saying that um, they think they've raised close to $100,000 from that event. So the Mark Hughes Foundation supporting it. We all know what wonderful work they do. I think 50000 was the target. They'd gone past that already. And thanks to everybody's input, and I know that a lot of our listeners um, jumped on board and just did what they could to be part of it. So a, a great recognition of a young man who loved his sport, put everything into it and unfortunately passed away way too long, uh, way too early. And also a great reflection of a game that can come together and raise funds for something that's really important. So about a hundred thousand dollars. If you have the chance, you can jump on the Mark Hughes Foundation website or any of the socials from Western Suburbs Cricket Club. Congratulations to everybody involved, Manly Cricket Club as well. Um, and we appreciate everything that they've done in this scenario. So I hope everyone that went out there last night had a really good night. Well done to all. On the text line, Matty, has there been an update on the weather for tonight's game? There was talk that the bad weather... Um, was around because of a cyclone in the area of Kolkata, Scotty in Cronulla. I did, uh, I've done, um, Scotty, all the hard work for you. And <laughs> depending which website or app you want to go to, you're going to get a whole heap of different question, uh, different answers out of this. But essentially, from what I can gather, there continues to be some pretty heavy weather around. It's more a matter of how heavy that's going to be and at what stage it hits. So in terms of temperature, it's going to be hot during the day over there. Remember, the match starts at 7.30pm Easter Daylight Saving Time, so half past six for our Queensland listeners, and that is a 2pm start in Kolkata. The afternoon's going to be hot, and then it'll go from about 28 degrees down to 23, and then it gets super humid. 
there's more chance of rain during the day than there is later on at night from the latest forecast that I can see. So rain turning to showers. When you hear rain, it's heavier than showers. So hopefully if it does rain, it's all done and dusted by two. <laughs> and if there are showers, not enough throughout the course of the night to bother us. That's where it's at at the moment, mate. 80% chance of rain during the day, 60% chance of showers at night. Showers is what you want to hear. You don't want to hear rain. That means it's going to come on in thick and fast. Um, so let's see. Thank you, Scotty. Thanks for that one. In terms of the weather, what does Pat Cummins then think about it? Because this is, outside of Marnus or Marcus, this has been the biggest question that's been thrown at him. So let's have a listen to the Aussie skipper when the question of weather was put to him. I think we've got a great opening pair in Trav and, and Davey. Um, uh, that's how we want to play. Um, you know, Mitch Marsh, I think, showed last time as well what he can do up the top of the order, um, albeit at number three. So, yeah, really, really pumped with how the batting lineups functioning at the moment. You, you, can't over, you can't forward plan too much with the weather. So, yeah, we'll turn up, expect to play 50 over the match. Any of that shifts on us well. You know, I'm sure in real time we can kind of adjust as needed. Yeah, I, I think obviously if it's looking like it's going to be a shortened match, even though they've got two days essentially to complete it, then what it does change is Marcus Stoinis brings him straight into the picture, doesn't it? If they think it's going to rain and possibly be curtailed a bit from the 50 overs, then bring in the Stoin. Let him do a few push-ups before he heads out. <laughs> Give him some fresh chewing gum and away he goes. That's kind of his job, isn't it? <laughs> Go nuts. Go hard. Um, so that's the scenario there. Rooster Man wants us to sort out the feud of Reptile v. Greg from Gundy or oh, and Gary from Newtown in the ring. <laughs> okay. Um, Berkeley Eagle says, forget the nude run for Greg. Make him shave his eyebrows and his hair if he has any so he looks as silly as his tips. Gee, we're harsh. We're harsh. Um, this one from Jeremy. There's another side which hasn't been spoken of with the Commonwealth Games. What about the sportsmen and women who, through injury or budgets, don't get to go to a World Cup or an Olympics and kids go to a Commonwealth Games and having a hero come from it? We're a sporting country. We need to have big sports event, even if it doesn't make financial sense. It's about health and giving athletes who toil an opportunity and getting the next generation off the PlayStation. Yeah, I've spoken about that often, Jeremy, and I know you listen to us often as well. And that's something that's come along. There is an important place in, in my way of thinking for a Commonwealth Games here on a, range of, on a range of levels. And one of them that you've pointed out is the next generation, to give them something to aspire to, get them off the PlayStation. The other parts around it too are, are interesting. We might deal with them in our next hour because we need to go to our break and then we'll come back, we'll head off to the news and then the final hour of the program, rugby, basketball, it's all on the list. Welcome back. So we're heading to the next news break with Vanessa. Um, we've still got Christy Doran to have a chat with about rugby union. Of course, Phil War has said, look, let's just stop throwing money at rugby league players or other players at the market until we get our, our you-know-what in order. Um, so that's the stage that they're at at the moment, and I like what I'm hearing from the Rugby Australia CEO. So Christy Doran from The Raw will talk us through that. The Illawarra Hawks continue to be on the lookout for a head coach. So Matty Logue from News Limited will have that in the world of basketball. Tony says, Matt, Eurovision has proven that you can come from anywhere and be European. So why not the Commonwealth Games in Denmark? Mary is the patron. 
<laughs> you know what? It sounds as cheeky as you want it to be, but realistically, anything could happen at the Commonwealth Games. They will have it split over non-Commonwealth countries, no problems. It's there in black and white. They've already put that charter out. We can discuss that plenty more in our final hour coming up. Let's talk rugby. Christy Doran is on the line from theraw.com.au. Good morning, mate. Good to join you, Matt. Yeah, you too. You too. Um, just like the world of the Commonwealth Games, there's a bit going on in the world of rugby, isn't there? i tell you what I do like, mate. Um, and I, I've been reading your article, of course, this morning as well. And you've um, given this, the words that Phil War has said that the game of rugby union can't spend more than we can afford anymore. I mean, it's all very simple stuff, Christy, but it's the kind of stuff that we need to hear. The game's got to get itself in order before it can start trying to buy people to come and play the game when the environment isn't there at the moment. Is it a, is it a touch of realities hitting home here or are we just starting to finally get that publicly? Well, it's been a bit of a change, a bit of a U-turn, hasn't it? We've gone from spending $1.6 million on, on one player to saying that we're going to prioritise pathways and trying to tap into the 15, 16, 17-year-olds that have always been out there, that still are out there. And he gave the example of Max Jorgensen, the guy that came through, obviously, Joey's. And in his first year of professional rugby as an 18-year-old, gets an opportunity to go with the Wallabies to uh, to France. Obviously, got injured. But, you know, we've seen time and time again, there's been plenty of stunning teenagers that have gone through rugby league. Uh, and a lot of them have chosen the 13 person game instead of the 15 person game in recent times and it's a refreshing thing to hear isn't it because this is what a lot of people have been saying for a long long time I still think that there comes a time and a place where an excellent 13 player becomes available wants an opportunity and I think you you can't never you, you shouldn't necessarily be saying no to it but it was nice to hear someone from the top uh and it will be interesting to see what Hamish McLennan's kind of opinion is, having been so kind of brazenly open about his pursuit of, of NRL players over as recently as, as probably four or five months ago with Angus Crichton and the, and the Cam Murrays of the world. Mm, I wanted to ask you about that because this essentially, and Phil War wasn't there when the Joseph Suwali'i deal was done. And and from, I mean, you'll know well, better he than was I. There, but, he was there, Matt. But not a CEO, He, right? he was there because he was... No, but he was on the board and he's actually been, and sorry to shut you off there, but he has been on the rugby committee of Rugby Australia for the last couple of years. He's been a board member since 2018. Uh, and he and Hamish have been quite close over the last two years, particularly Dan Herbert's been on that rugby committee. So uh, he can't necessarily wash his hands clean of, of that one. Okay, great. Well, that's what I wanted to get to because I wanted to get to whether or not the, the Suali'i call was, was essentially a captain's pick from Hamish and whether that puts at odds the current CEO. But as you rightly point out, he was there anyway. But does it put him at odds with the chairman? Is, is the chairman out on his own at the moment in terms of the way that he was thinking and, and perhaps the way that he's still thinking? Or are they aligned in that in that part? Well, I think they are aligned at the moment. Uh, however, you know, we have to also put it in the context of there has been a softening in the in the global kind of financial markets, and that's something that I'm not across, but, but people say that it has. But but the fact of the matter is that they expected to have 
around $200 to $250 million coming through private equity. And that deal was obviously not there. They're going down a debt path over the next 12 months or so. And, and of course, if you don't have the money there, then you can't just find it and, and um, start spending money uh, willy-nilly on, on rugby league players. Um, you know, they've come under a fair bit of criticism regarding the Angus Crichton deal, and I know that's been spoken about in the past, but uh, you know, they, they were prepared to offer him around 400000 and it was reported around 800000 A $400,000 deal to try to get someone like a Crichton over the line would have been, I think most people would have tipped their hat and gone, that's a good deal. Obviously, it didn't get across the line, I think. But there has been a, certainly a shift in the narrative around Rugby Australia and the direction and what does grassroots mean and how do you actually fund that grassroots pursuit because... Um, you know, they, they, they are strapped for cash. The broadcast deal doesn't compare anything to what the AFL and the NRL currently does. But refreshing to hear. and um, They've got a, a big next couple of months because at the moment, in terms of they need to lock down their own players soon because there are a number of players that are on co- off contract at the end of 2024. And Mark Nwanganidiwasi is, is one, and there are others. The likes of the Jordan Pataiz of the world, the Hunter Paisamis. And, and at the moment... Without having a Wallabies coach, without having a director of national high performance, uh, without having a general manager, they're actually not really in a great position to be able to sign uh, those players that will be soon coming off contract. And that's the key thing coming up that they're going to have to address because there's not going to be someone in those positions over the next month. It's interesting, too, that in the tit-for-tat world that we've sort of been living in, especially in the build-up towards the World Cup, you know, Rugby League says one thing and then Rugby Union says another, or Rugby Union does one thing and Rugby League tries to do another. Rugby League has this, you know, salary cap possibly exemption um, position for players, for instance, who might want to come across from Rugby Union. Now, as you well know, mate, normally when something like that comes up, then the other side fires a shot. So it's interesting that while Rugby League's talking about perhaps opening the doors even more, Rugby Union through Phil Wars saying the other way, just saying, look, we, we can't compete at the moment. We're not going to compete. There's, there's just nothing we can do. So it takes away that us versus them tit for tat sort of narrative. Yeah, and I think people want to hear that, or rugby fans, and I think even rugby league fans want to hear that because... Uh, you know, the NRL and the, the deep coffers that they have just simply blow rugby union away. So they can't compete. The only thing they can compete on is the fact that they've got a British and Irish Lions series in 25 and a, and a Home World Cup in 27. And I just spent the best part of 10 weeks over in France. And I can tell you that, and your audience, that it is pretty much every single game, there was 48 or 49 matches uh, throughout the, the seven weeks there, and they were all at 95-plus capacity. And you've got 80,000 at the Stade de France. You've got 60,000 in Lyon. You've got 70,000 down in Marseille. These aren't small grounds that are in suburbia. Uh, this is a, a global tournament, and that's what rugby is hanging its hat off at the moment. And, and even, of course, there's the Paris Olympics in 24, and I've just spent uh, the last hour down at Centennial Park watching the Aussie Sevens do their thing. Michael Hooper wasn't there, but he's a guy that he's going to be pushing his case for selection there. And 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 Chilwell was right to point out that that's what they've got. And you've got to play to your strengths. And at the moment, financially, it's not necessarily one of their strengths. 
Um, and, and, you know, if they can start to uh, get back into the private school system, which is where their, their bread and butter is, if they can secure their best young rising talent, that is probably their best port of call at the moment because the Wallabies need to get back to winning. Uh, they need to repair their, um, uh, their stock. Rugby need, Australia needs to repair its leadership vacuum uh, and needs to build the trust right from the Wallabies through to the Super Rugby franchises because at the moment, fans don't necessarily want to go out and support a losing side. Uh, it looks like a basket case from a leadership perspective. There's a lot of spinning plates with the structure of the game. They need to concentrate on their, their backyard before they start looking at, across the other side, uh, which is rugby league at the moment. 100%. Um, Michael Hooper, as you mentioned, so he's committed. He's ready to go into the Sevens program and he'll join that program full-time in January. So a few months to go there. It's going to be interesting to see how Hoops needs to adjust everything, isn't it? Like it'll be really interesting to see his transition at this stage of his career into a different format of the game. Yeah, and I, I just spoke to their strength and conditioning coach and uh, their, their head coach, John Manenti, and they, they're pretty confident Michael Hooper will be fine. He's, he's kind of known for the best part of two months that these deals across the line. Uh, he's going to permanently join them by the start of January, but he was, he's in there one or two days a week. He's doing a lot of training by himself. Uh, he'll be fit enough. He's already down between that 92 to 94 kilo mark, which is probably four or five kilos lighter than what he was throughout the last few years playing international rugby. Uh, he'll, he'll be fine. He's got the skill set. Um, he's, he's strong over the. He's reasonable over the ball, but he'll be strong in that sevens space. Uh, and, and the players are excited about seeing him there. They all thought that their own performance at training went up five to ten percent simply by the fact that he was there on Tuesday, and they wanted to impress him. So. Uh, you know, I know Eddie Jones has spoken about whether or not he was a good leader and a good person within that Wallabies environment recently. Michael Hooper is going to be a great person throughout this Sevens campaign. And it's a great blend of club players, fringe super players, uh, and guys that are trying their backside off. And that's yeah, Michael Hooper, that's kind of been uh, what he's made his name through the last 10, 12 years of his international career is hard work and discipline. And that's everything about Michael Hooper and Sevens. Yeah, absolutely. You need an engine, don't you, Christy, in Sevens? And he's got one. He's got one that just doesn't stop. Um, oh, yeah. And wish him, yeah, wish him all the very best. So that Sevens campaign for the Australian team starts the first, well, the first couple of days in December, doesn't it, in Dubai? And then they are on the road. And like you say, Michael Hooper will join them full-time in January. Good on you, Christy. Thank you for that, mate. Um, very, very interesting what's going on in the world of rugby union. It's never a dull day in your world. I appreciate your time. Yeah, still a bit to go, I think, over the next month. But good to join you, man. Cheers. Good on you. You too. Thank you for that, Christy Doran. TheRaw.com.au has it all covered. Um, a great story there. The, the, the main story this morning on the front page of that is around Michael Hooper committing to the Olympic dream. But, of course, Christy's um, articles on where rugby's at, what Phil War's been up to, the centralisation issue, it's all in there. So... A really good take on everything that's been going on in the world of sport. Always thank Christy for his time. Matty, where does the $380 million go? <laughs> I did text at the time that Daniel Andrews shut down the games about the regional, business, regional businesses that upgraded their workplace knowing trade was coming. What do they see out of the 380 I don't know, Tony. 
I don't know if there's some sort of package that the Victorian government, I think that there was some talk about that, but the 380, as far as I know, has gone straight to the Commonwealth Games Federation. So that's the payment that they had to lob that way. Not bad. Not bad work. As far as the businesses around that were hoping for everything to come their way and were adjusting, like you say, I don't know what happens to them and if the government ended up reaching out to them or not. Not sure. All a bit of a mess. 21 and a half minutes after the hour. We're back after this break. Andrew on our text line says, Maddie Jorgensen from Rugby will be playing fullback for the Roosters within three years. Mark my words. Pretty sure his contract um, is up at the end of 24, isn't it? So, um, yeah, I think that's might not be a bad shout. Greg, Greg from Gundagai's back, folks. Put everything down, stop work. <laughs> Here we go. Uh, morning, Matty, and my listeners, says Greg. <laughs> now you're starting to... They were your fans last week, Greg. Now you're just saying my listeners. Can we get Greggy's own YouTube channel or something? Can we start up an SEN, SEN Gundy? Uh, he says, <laughs> I can't believe the lack of respect from the reptile. Uh, all I can say is reptile, run at me. I can tackle very hard. All right. Sounds like game on. Uh, I am sure, yes, so the Jorgensen deal does finish in 2024. I am sure, Maddie says our man Crime Scene, that having travelled, you're aware that Australia is viewed as a wealthy, sports-loving country worldwide. Many Commonwealth countries will believe that we can't afford to do it. Who can? Yeah. Um, a couple of things happened, folks, when you, Crime Scene, when you look at um, when Victoria and Daniel Andrews, we were on air at the time, when Daniel, Daniel Andrews pulled out, one, that figure of six, seven billion dollars, as much as at the time it was just thrown out there, scared the bejesus out of a lot of people, Canada included. Canada included. And Canada runs it a bit differently. When they go to their um, provinces, essentially, they've got to have a mandate. They've got to go and ask the people first whether or not they want to dive into a Commonwealth Games. They didn't even get to that stage. So that was the first part of it. That number went and scared a heck of a lot of people off, perhaps people who were half interested but trying to get it across the line. And the other thing that happened was that it made them look at the the model that was already broken that didn't even get a run. So that's part of the problem there. They went, ah, oh, it's going to cost us $6 billion. If it's costing them $6 billion, and not only that, what happened to this regional model? Ah, that didn't work either. And we didn't even get a chance to see it in action. Like, <laughs> you can't make this stuff up. I'm certainly not a financial expert, says Mick from North Lakes. But wouldn't it make sense to host the games back on the Goldie, given that they've probably still got maybe 80% of the infrastructure already there from the games that they held in 2018? Kaboom, Mick. Rather than giving it to a city who has to perhaps start from scratch. A few upgrades would obviously need to be done, but it would cost less to do it that way. Just a thought. Yeah, infrastructure's part of it, 100%. But it's only part of it. And then it's all the other costs that come with it as well. So, I don't know. I don't know, Mick, but would it wouldn't have been a bad starting point, would it? Why on earth anybody thought going to all these regional towns and regional areas and we're going to build a massive swimming pool here and it's going to have a big diving tower on it and guess what? A couple of weeks after the game, we're going to take it all back down.
turn it back into a car park. That makes sense. Not on not on their watch. <laughs> Only makes sense to the people who are getting the compensation, folks. Ah, uh, got to be in it to win it. Let's go to the news. Let's talk basketball on this Thursday morning in the News Limited papers this morning. The Logue Down column with Matty Logue touches on the Hawks battle um, to get their club, their foundation club, out of the crisis that they're in. And Matty Logue joins us on the line. Good morning, Logie. Thank you for having me, Matty. Uh, thanks for your time, mate. What, what's going on at the Hawks? So we know that they're trying to find... Well, they've got an interim coach at the moment, but as you point out in the opening paragraph of your story this morning, they may be a foundation club, but they're in crisis, and it's unclear who steps mm. up to become their saviour. So where are they at? Yeah, Matty, it's, it's a real shame. As I said, they're the, the only remaining foundation club who have played every season since 79. Obviously, the Bullets are foundation as well. But look... When they had Brian Gorge and Matty, uh, what, 2020, between 2020 and 2022, they made the finals two years straight. Obviously, Brian Gorge is there. We all know his resume. But the club was successful on and off the court. In the two years preceding Gorgian's departure, Jacob Jacomas has come in. He's a young guy that had mostly experience as an assistant, but he stepped up into the hot seat. And unfortunately, the club, the Hawks, have experienced their worst two-year span in club, in club history, including last year, Matty, where they were... They, they had a record, um, you know, losing record, uh, the worst in club history. And then off the court, look, they're just, there's no major sponsor. They're struggling to get some sort of corporate interest, despite having a, a quite wealthy owner. And um, it's sort of led to the point where they've had to activate on Jacob, as you mentioned. And they're trying to get an experienced coach, but there are a number of coaches who are, who are saying, look, I'm not interested. That's Gorge. Um, there's others around the scenes. And I've just broken on the um, on News Corp's web, websites on Code Sports that Joey Wright, former championship-winning Brisbane Bullets coach from 2007, he was also approached and he also said very quickly no. So it leaves wow. the Hawks, Matty, in a situation where they want, they want an experienced coach. And Trevor Gleeson, five-time championship-winning coach, he's also in the mix, but... He, I'm told he's not convinced and there's no offer at this point, but there may be an offer coming for Trevor, but whether or not he does it, because he's still being um, paid by the Toronto Raptors. So they're in a really interesting situation. There is some interest, Matty, I must quickly say, where uh, Judd Slavel, he's a former assistant coach at the Phoenix and the Breakers and even at the New Zealand national team. And he, he, he is actually interested. He's the first coach to actually say, put me in my hat in the, in, in the, in, in the mix. I'm, I'm definitely keen. Right. In the meantime, it's Justin Tatum's job, right? So he's there in the interim. Mm. I, I'm interested to know, Logie, um, the NBL has been going gangbusters, and we've spoken about it often, and, mm. and everything's been tracking in the right direction. Yet here at the Hawks, it just seems to, as, as you well put it, they've just slipped on and off the court. So I'm wondering how the NBL, the way that it's been running itself – and and ticking mm. all the boxes has has kind of let this happen on their watch. It's not their it's not their cl- I mean it's their club, but they don't own it. But how, how has this sort of no. snuck snuck up on them? Yeah, it's a really good question, Matty. And I, and I guess because essentially, as you mentioned, the club is is owned by someone else. It's not owned by the league. Um, there was a period there where the league came in and helped when it, I mean, it was the club like was liquidated and almost like folded and. We've seen all that. They've had the name change. But my understanding is, Matty, that league officials are watching this very closely. Like, they're, they're, they're not happy because they... Um, Larry hasn't really... Doesn't want a team to go under, particularly a foundation club. So he's determined to see everything rise. 
Um, but it's, it's going to take a bit of a bit of an effort. And look, if it doesn't improve, and if things don't improve on and off the court, then I, I, I think we, you know, we may see the NBL at some point come in. But they can't just come in. Like you know, there's got to be some reason because at the moment everything's being paid and the bills are being paid. But geez, it's, it's a very much watch this situation, Matty, because the, the NBL will be expanding in the next you know next couple of years. You know, I'm told, you know, reliably, you've still got Canberra on the radar with her Darwin recently. There's even a potential for Newcastle. So, you know, the reality is the Hawks, while they're foundation, they are regional. And if the yeah. results are not there in a national competition, then it is concerning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's what I'm thinking, you know, that, that regional aspect. I mean, is there, is there something wrong with the mm. game within the Illawarra itself? And, and perhaps does that frame what expansion may look like, but they've got a lot to try and sort out. I haven't seen what happened in the WNBL grand final rematch between Townsville and Southside on Saturday night, but mm-hmm. I I did see the reports that there was trouble with the Nine Now streaming service. So what happened there? Yeah, so my understanding is that it um, Michelle Timms noticed it. I hope it was great. She was on by the television um, and the app by the television, and it's it just the last final seconds just, just flapped out. It just it was just stopped, and so she missed out on that. Apparently, people on their phones could still see it. Um, we've since spoken to the league, WNBL, and um, Basel Australia, and you know they're determined. They've acknowledged, you know, the, what happened, and they're determined to fix it. Um, so let, let's hope that that you know and it will happen. Um, as we've seen, sometimes there are mistakes, but you know the WNBL is in a, you know the longest serving you know, women's competition in this country and it, and it deserves, you know, all the coverage and, and the best of the coverage that it can get. So I think it was just, well, people were disappointed, Maddie. And when mm. Michelle Tim stands up and says, I just want to watch my, my, my basketball, <laughs> then you've got to listen, don't you? <laughs> when, yeah, when Timsey speaks, you listen. So is, is the WNBL's coverage provided by the league like the NBL's coverage is? I mean, it's, a, it's essentially what we call a host feed um, or is it done... Is it done through a broadcaster? Yeah, it's done. My understanding is it's done through a broadcaster, a streaming um, service. The WNBL like to play a role, but I think it's done through a streaming service as opposed to to the league. And then it also goes on ESPN. Mm. There's games on ESPN as well. So, um, and it's great. Nine now, you know, and Channel Nine established. You know, it's great that they're you know they're they're in there and they're they're covering mm. games. You know, we always fond memories, Maddie, of. The ABC back in the day, like you know, yeah. WMBL on the ABC was the, the sport within its prime years. Yeah, 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 and you never know what's going to happen on the streaming platforms, mate. I mean, it's honestly, I've lived that it's that hard. nightmare at it's... times, and it, yeah, sometimes, honestly, you can you can have people say, "Hey, I didn't get it on my," or "I got a big black spot on my on my TV, but I didn't get it on my phone," or "I got it on my phone, but it didn't pop up on my TV," or "I got it through my Foxtel box, but I didn't on my free to air," and you go, ah. Give me, give me 12 months and I'll try and get to the bottom of that problem. You know, it's just sort of technology. But, um, yeah, interesting stuff. Good on you, Logie. Good to catch up, mate. Thanks for all of that. We'll watch with interest what happens at the Hawks in particular. Thanks for your time this morning. Pleasure, Matty. Matt Logue there from News Limited. So continues to stay across that Illawarra Hawks situation. Stay online at Code Sports and you can catch all the latest info or the Logue Down column in the News Limited Papers today, 0457 736 736 is the text line. You can watch the Hungry Jacks NBL live on ESPN 
you honestly, you, you never know which way your problem's going to, or where your problem's going to come from in broadcasting and especially in streaming. And then when it happens, sometimes you don't know why it happened or <laughs> from, from which source it happened. And you spend so much time trying to figure that out because you're like, hang on a second, did somebody pull a cable out? And if so, why did it go that way but not the other way? Ugh, it's, it's the gift that keeps on giving. Um, gee, we're, we're, we're just smashing up Greg here um, from Gundy. We're, <laughs> we're not in the business of smash-ups. There's a bit of fun going on. By the way, Junior Smithy says, here in Western Sydney, we've got enough infrastructure to host the Commonwealth Games. Junior Smithy, I'll give you a tip. Won't be happening in Sydney. Um, they held the Youth Commonwealth Games in Trinidad and Tobago. While all this was going on, Right, while all this Victorian stuff was going on, they had a youth Commonwealth Games in Trinidad and Tobago. And so the infrastructure's there. So why don't I just roll in the twenty twenty six Commonwealth Games, the grown up version if you want to put it like that, into Trinidad and Tobago. Like it's there. Surely their main their first port of call is to make sure that the Com Games gets up and running. If not in 26, then 27. I'd say it's more than likely 27. In fact, I'd say it's right now. It's more than likely never. But if you're going to get it up and running, you're going to have to move fast. So why wouldn't you just go, hey, Trinidad and Tobago, you've just done all this. Let's just upscale a little bit. Need some money? We've got $380 million of the Victorian taxpayers' money as compensation. We can probably chip in a little bit there. I just don't know where they're at. Can't get my head around it. Big Ted, back with us, listening on the app. Regarding the Gundy dreamer, Greg, <laughs> I'm starting to believe that he couldn't find a jousting stick in a haystack. <laughs> with comebacks like, run at me, reptile. Jay's jokes in the morning have more punch. Oh, now we are getting nasty. We're getting down in the gutter here. This is heavy stuff. Right, let's take a pause, pay some bills, come back and regroup after this. Oh, Tony, you're good today. He says, Matty, one more for me. You mentioned Trinidad and Tobago and the first port of call. It's actually Port of Spain. Oi, that's fast in an ad break. By the way, uh, no name on this one, but Reptile and Greg from Gundy continue to go back and forth. Well, one of our listeners has said, I know Greg from Gundy. He could play. And that was from Greg saying, why don't you just just run at me? (laughs) I don't know if we've sorted that out. Alex, do you reckon we sort of got to the bottom of trying to sort that whole fight out? I don't think so. I think it's just going to continue to fester on. But, um, Greg, you're running out of time to give us our tip for the Snake Gully Cup tomorrow. So racing at Gundagai tomorrow, eight races on the card, and we are rapidly running out of time. Um, Kimberly Secrets remains the favourite there, which is number six, and the Snake Gully Cup is race seven over the 1,400 metres. Remember to gamble responsibly. Uh, Afternoons with Jimmy Smith is coming up. The great Carl Rackerman is going to be on the program. So what a chat this will be with Jimmy and Carl Rackerman. I absolutely loved watching the great CG Rackerman in his prime. And I just quickly looked up when he made his test taboo. It was in the second test on the English tour of Australia, and he made his taboo in Brizzy on the, the test up there. And 
he caught a couple of wickets in the first innings. Did he get any wickets in the second? I think he went, no, none in the second. But that was the test match where Henry Lawson just went crazy. He ended up taking six for in the first and five. So he ended up with 11 wickets for the match. Jeff Lawson, six for 47 in the first innings. Knocked over, thankfully, CJ Tavare for one off, yes, 25 balls. Um, in fact, took care of the top four. Jeff Lawson that day. Tavare, Fowler, Gower, Lamb. Then also got rid of Jeff Miller and Norman Cowan. So six for in the first innings. Backed it up with a five for in the second. And he was in partnership with... How's this for, how's this for a bowling liner? Jeff Lawson, Carl Rackerman, Jeff Thompson, Bruce Yardley. In the second innings, Greg Chappell and David Hooks also... Threw down a couple of overs at the back end there. But in the second dig, England rolled for 309. Lawson, Thompson, 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 Lawson, Lawson, Lawson. And then not out in Lawson, the wicket takers. So Jeff Lawson, 5 for 73. Henry, 5 for 87. The man of the match was Kepler Vessels, who scored 200-plus runs across the two innings, 162 and 46. So he opened the batting with the great Johnny Dyson and then um, came back out. Yeah, so he got 162 in the first dig and then came back out, got 46. And Australia wrapped up the victory there by seven wickets. So that was the first test match that uh, the great Carl Rackerman played and he'll be a special guest on Jimmy's show, so that'll be a lot of fun. The run home this afternoon, Toby Green, Andy Harper, Barat Sundaresan with Joel and Fletch on the run home. So just keep it locked on SEN. Don't forget to tonight, folks, is our full coverage of the SC, uh, the uh, ODI World Cup, Australia v South Africa. So coming to you live from 7 o'clock for our Sydney listeners, 6 o'clock for our Queensland listeners, and then the play will start 30 minutes later. So you'll hear every ball right here. Uh, a couple of quick other text messages. Matty, I'm throwing a cold bucket of water over the NRL, taking the game to the USA. My wife's brother has lived in Las Vegas for more than 40 years. He follows the NFL. I asked him the other day on FaceTime about these rugby league games in Vegas. He didn't know what I was talking about. That's not to say every person in Vegas would give me that answer, but it's a tough market to break into the USA. Um. No doubt about it. And remember, they only released their ad yesterday, so the ad campaign starts to kick in. I I totally agree with you. It's a tough market. They know that. I'd love to know what the what the numbers are about. What's a success over there? What what's you know when they when they go come back and analyze everything from crowd figures to I don't know merchandise sales penetration through the broadcast deal that they've got there, penetration back here as well. How many people from Australia went over and bought tickets? How many invested in some holiday time, bought a plane ticket, all that kind of stuff. They'll go back and pour through all of that to see what the answer is. But I'm well and truly aware that so are they, that it is a tough market to break into. So let's see what happens in terms of how many numbers they get and if they can get some penetration into the U.S. market. All righty, our final break. We'll come back, wrap it up, and then hand over to James. All righty. Now, we've finally got to uh, a resolution, but Kasula Bob has said, before I get to that, 
Maddie Kuenu, please provide the listeners with a uh, a wealth hazard <laughs> instead of a health hazard, a wealth hazard warning, so we can turn the volume down for a short time before Greg from Gundy comes on air to do any future tips. Because some of us don't need the confusion in our lives. Well, Kashula Bob, Greg won't be coming on air to do any future tips, but he's given us the tip. So uh, there's your wealth warning and health warning. So Greg has said, this is it. Uh, Kevelden Road, Kelverden Road, I think it is. It's Kelverden Road or Kelvedon Road. I don't know how the pronunciation rolls out, but it's race seven, which is the Snake Gully Cup, and it's number five. Kelvedon Road will definitely win and win very, very well, trained by my master, Todd Smart. So, Greg, you're on notice. That's your last crack at it. I, I've pulled the right rein here, and I'm just giving you one more throw at the stumps. Um, Kelvedon Road. And by the way, I won't be following you. But gamble responsibly. That's been a lot of fun. Carl Rackerman coming up on Jimmy's show. That'll be a great chat, so make sure you stick around. Thanks for your company today. Thanks for your input as well. Go you Aussies tonight. Let's hope the rain stays away and Australia can get into a massive ODI World Cup final against India. Have a great day, everybody. Bye for now.